Hey guys, before this episode, a quick pause to share an update on the podcast. So after the Cejudo documentary went live back in April, and for those of you who haven't listened to the the Cejudo experiment, go back and listen to it. Yours truly was a little burnt out, needed a little bit of a break. So if you've noticed, we haven't had a podcast in a couple weeks, but we're back now. And what we're going to do is one episode a week until the season starts. And then once the season fires up, we'll be back to two episodes a week. So thank you for allowing for the break. And I'm excited to give you a new episode today with the great Tom Ryan. Let's get to it. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is the great Tom Ryan, Ohio State head coach, NCAA champion coach, was a multiple-time All-American for the University of Iowa, Coach Ryan's been on the podcast before, and that's episode 89, which I can't even believe it. January 2020, right before the world got turned upside down. And uh, now Coach Ryan's back on the podcast, and it was awesome to have him on the show. Fan of the week goes to our friend Joe Williams, who recently left an Apple podcast review. Not Joe Williams, the wrestler, who we still want to have on the podcast, but Joe Williams from Michigan, Apple Podcast Review, five-star review, wrestling podcast at its finest. Thank you so much for the review, Joe. We greatly appreciate it. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Tom Ryan. Tom Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back on. Congrats on the Hall of Fame. Look Where at the shirt, gear? folks. So for Where the folks listening on uh, audio, yeah. Coach Ryan's rocking the wrestling changed my life shirt. I actually have the same one on. I and, saw that. Uh, yeah, Looks so good. that's awesome. They're comfortable. Definitely. Now, Hall of Fame class, I just saw that on the website. When did you hear about that? Congratulations. Uh, I think Thursday, maybe. That's awesome. Thursday, yeah. yeah thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's no, I thought. A, um, what an experience I, has been here, you know? Yeah, I mean, because I was looking at it, I'm thinking, all right, is it is it going to be like one of your guys? I'm like, oh crap, Tom, Coach Ryan made it. I mean, that's that's amazing and, and well earned. And I was thinking about this conversation. You know, the last time we talked, we talked a lot about your time at Iowa, but we never really talked about your time at IU and Hofstra. So I was hoping we could go back and 
talk about yeah. some of the early days um, before you before you got to uh, to Columbus. But uh, before we start, let's just kind of talk about current events and what's going on. So are you going to be out at Fargo this week or what? A staff member will be. Yeah, we'll be represented out there. Nice. Yeah. I, did, did you ever yeah, wrestle at Fargo? Yeah. I did. Yeah. I lost to Matt Johnson who ended up going to Iowa State in the All-American round. Really? Representing? Four to three or something at 154, yeah. Representing Team New York? Team New York, yeah. I love it. I Great love event. It. Love Fargo. And when you did it, was it at uh, Iowa City or Cedar Falls? It was, yeah, it was Fargo Dome, yeah, Cedar Falls. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Been out there a long time. I know. I uh, I know now. There's other events that are that are huge and they're they're maybe a little bit more important. But I still I'm an old school. I like to think that it's uh, as it used to be, and I I still think it's an awesome tournament. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> did you so wrestle in it? I wrestled in it. Yeah, I did wrestle in it one time. Yeah, 98 pounds. I wrestled 103 as a freshman. Cut down to 98 that summer, and mm-hmm. uh, it was horrible. And uh, yeah, I did. I went one and two. All Team right. Illinois. Yeah, represent. <laughs> No, I uh, as an Illinoisan, man, Fargo is just it's it's huge, and I'm so proud of what Team Illinois done, and they're just they put it together every year for great this state, time. great and state I, for us. You you just got one of my guys, Ben Devino, man. I'm yeah, excited. I can't say too much about it. We are recruiting him until it's you know until he's. Oh, signed. it's not official. But, yeah, okay, but, I didn't. But we're allowed to say yeah, we're recruiting him. Okay, well, I can't. Uh, I don't know the, the all the current rules, but all I can say yeah. is that man, pride of St. Charles. Uh, it looks like he may be headed your way, and he's well, tough. So, cool is, uh, I spent when I was at the University of Iowa. What's that? My, when I was at the University of Iowa over Thanksgiving, I would go see my aunt and uncle, and they live in uh, in St. Charles. Oh, Illinois. Yeah, my aunt. Okay. So I would go there. I would bring some of the guys in the team, and we'd go have dinner, Thanksgiving dinner there. So I, I spent some time there. So it's ironic that that's where he, Very he ironic. lived. Yeah. And your guy, Buzakas, who is there, I mean, the class you put together two years ago, or maybe it's technically one year ago, I get, I get a little confused with all the, the COVID stuff still, but just a bunch of hammers. And Buzakas was one of those guys along with Mendez. I mean, Mendez, I, I love Mendez. He's great. I was looking at his bracket. He had to win three tiebreakers at the NCAAs to, on the backside. I think one of them was a blood round and maybe two were to keep going. But, dude, what an animal. Yeah, he's a competitor. Yeah, definitely. But uh, but Buzakis was part of that class, and he's he's representing Team USA right now as well. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, the U twenties. He's getting ready for that. Uh, he redshirted this year. Uh, he'll be a 33-133 this year, and we'll see what happens with Jesse. We move him up to forty one, or he redshirts. We've got some options. But, and is uh, Sammy coming back? Sammy's back. Yeah, we're not sure. I think Sammy will likely move up. So we're not we're not sure quite yet, but we'll know in the next uh, next probably next week or so. Wow, Man, what was, he wants to do? I was looking at an article today, like best Ohio State wrestlers of all time, and four of the five were under your tenure, and it was the only one who wasn't was Tommy Rollins, who was on this list. It was Snyder, Steber, Nato, Miles Martin, and Rollins, not in that order, but. I'm like, man, we're we're looking at a crop now, though, that could be, you know, some of the guys on that list in the next five to ten years, you know, if all goes well. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're all they're all committed guys. So as long as they stay healthy and you know continue to do what they've been doing, things look good for them. Yeah, they're a lot of fun to work with. They're good people. I really bet good. a lot of fun. And it's like, 
you guys got fourth this year at the NCAAs, and I know the last two years, you know, after the standard you set, Ohio State was in a little bit of a, a rebuild and not where you wanted to be. So I know there's no lonelier place for a winner like you than to not have your guys at the top. So to get a fourth this year had to be a, a really nice testament to some of the work you guys have been doing over the past couple of years. You know, it felt good, uh, you know, part, partly because you know, we, we had quite a few seniors. You know, uh, Romero going out the way he did with a third place finish and really led us. Uh, Ethan Smith, you know, Tate. Unfortunately, Malik, you know, was hurt right before the Big Tens mm-hmm. and didn't get to compete. But we had a good group of, of seniors that, quite frankly, uh, hadn't earned a trophy. Uh, and they were kind of right on the backs of the guys you mentioned before them. So it was good to see them really step up and, and wrestle well. And obviously Jesse and Dylan D'Amelio were two, you know, really important pieces of us getting a trophy this year. And it's it's tough. It's competitive. Oh my God. To to get, I mean, it, I don't know about other college sports, but college wrestling, that the teams that are in that top four, there can't be but 20 over the past 40 years. Yeah, I'd like to see that number. There aren't many. I mean, obviously no. only 12 teams have ever won it, right? Right. So exactly. only 12 have won it. Top four. I mean, it's like football, right? You look at the final four in football since they started that, I think is maybe seven teams mm-hmm. that have actually been in the event, you know, so it's, it's competitive. Yes, definitely. And I look back at, at your guys' great run 2016. You won it. What was the year that the Penn state duel was crazy and the Penn state team race was down to like a razor 2017 well, in, 2000, in 2018 in Cleveland, um, if Miles wins, we win, right? The, the, the wild thing about that particular year, you know, Penn State had five returning champions, and I thought we had a better team than them. Uh, overall, I thought we would, I thought we, would, we were, we were going to win. I felt like we had a, 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 you know, enough horsepower up and down the line that <clears throat> we were going to win. And the way the point system, the way this thing was, was working is if Miles beats Nickel, Kyle Snyder walks on the mat and we're three points down and he's got to beat Kuhn. If he wins, we're national champs by one point. It's a four <laughs> point win in the finals. I mean, that's the way this was going. I mean, that's ex- that, that, that is exact math. Jaggers, Coach Jaggers, is a bracketologist and a point expert. And going into the finals, that's the way it was. And, and you know, it looked like we had uh, Bo in a pickle. Bo yeah. Nickel, we had him in a pickle. Yeah. And he, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and he, he, you know, he hit the old cement reverse cement mixer and caught us uh and that sealed the, the, the that sealed the tournament for them but if, if we win that match you know we had plenty of chances it wasn't that match we had plenty of chances sure. to win uh yeah i think that was the most points ever scored for a second place finish and that and that and, history and those two had a little history because didn't he stick bow like the year before well or- he caught him in a beautiful throw i mean but i think bow might have knee tapped him and Miles, his Miles's feel was just incredible. He felt it. I mean, most people would have been on their back in that situation. Miles just kind of used momentum, went with it, and you know, it ended up hitting Bo with a six-point move there and really separated the the scoring in the match. And ended up winning. That was Miles's uh freshman year, true freshman year. I think he may be only one of nine or ten to win it. You might have those numbers, but I I had this on the wall downstairs. I can look, but I think there's not many men have come out of high school and won the national championship. Man, and not to Miles, mention, Miles is special. So he didn't pin him. He put him. He put him on his back for six, and then and then won the match. Okay, that's right. Yeah, 
Yeah. But he, I mean, and to do it at a, at a big boy weight too. Whew, that's, that's crazy. God. Yeah. He was a 74 pounder at the time. His true freshman year. He was a true freshman that year. Where was he out of in high school? Oh, uh, he's Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Wow. You got yeah. two out of Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Both of those guys were yeah, two of the best ever out of Maryland. Yeah. I mean, geez. And you mentioned coach Jaggers. Now, was he one of the guys you recruited or was he already there when you got to Columbus? Coach Jaggers was here. He had uh, two years left, two or three years left. Okay. Uh, yeah. Was he doing the bleach blonde hair at that time, or was that only for the? Uh... Jaggers has always been cool. I mean, he's always been a trend trendsetter, man. Now he's big into the country music. Man, it's it's funny. I um, I ended up my brother and I ended up going to the Big Tens at Rutgers with one of his coworkers, who's an Ohio State group. So ever since then, I've been in this group text with all these Ohio State fans. And they always meant they're all they're all Ohio guys. And they're like, dude, Jaggers was the coolest guy in high school. Bleach blonde hair like they everyone has stories about Jaggers as a high schooler. And, he's got a uh, lot of friends. He he's does? a good person. Man. Oh, my. he's been in more weddings than I have. I know people. <laughs> I mean, this guy is is. Yeah, he's got a lot of buddies. He's got, you know, he's obviously got his coaching staff group chat. Then he's got his this friend group group chat and this friend group group chat. Man. Yeah, Jay's Jay's. Uh, Jay's a good guy. When you see people like that, I have like three friends total. So when you see people yeah. that have been in like 12 weddings, I'm like, I don't even, I don't even get that. I'm amazed by it. True. <laughs> yeah. So he, so who was, who else was here when you got here? Uh, when I say got here, was it 05, 06? So 05, yeah. 05, 06. We had, uh, you know, JD Bergman was a total stud. Oh yeah. Um, You know, Lance Palmer was an incoming freshman. You know, Reese Humphrey, oh, Reese yeah. Humphrey had, I think Reese had two or three years left. Okay. And then of course, when I left Hofstra, Pasillo came with me and that really, um, helped, um, you know, helped us. We, we, we were, we were second. I think we were, we were ninth and then second, second. We had a lot of, we had a lot of high, a lot, a lot of talent, hardworking guys. I didn't realize he came with you from Hofstra. Yeah. The only reason why Mike was released you know, and I don't know where, you know, the conversation will go today. Let's go. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, back in the day, you had to be released. You know, if you're going to leave one school and go to another. Well, I did not want to decimate Hofstra when I left. We were, I mean, I thought we could win the Nationals there the year I left. That's how good the team was, I felt. We were loaded with talent up and down the lineup. I think they ended up fifth or sixth, but Pasillo left. Um so, uh, I mean, the team was really, really, really loaded with, with uh, hardworking guys. And Tim Shifflett took over the job and did a nice job with that group of guys. But um, Pasillo, the only reason why Pasillo got released, most of the Hofstra guys did not get released. And that's because the reason why Mike did is during the winter of Mike's freshman year, um, and he came here after his freshman year, during the winter, he came in. He said, look, I'm homesick. I want to go back home. And I brought him in to meet with the athletic director. Because of that conversation, because of Mike's open and, and, and honest approach, uh, the athletic director knew that he wanted to leave before anybody knew I was going to leave. So it was authentic. It was, it was look, this kid really wants to get home. So the AD released him, and uh, nobody else got released other than the, the signees that were incoming, you know, high school seniors. So, so, so the team stayed and, and they all, and they had a great, they had a great season, a couple of great and, seasons. 
and you mentioned it, but when you left, you guys were coming off of six straight conference championships. Now, was that the EIWA or what conference was that? It was the ECWA at the time. They just they've recently merged. Uh, well, not recently, but they merged quite a quite a while ago. But um, yeah, we had won six in a row, and and we had so. I mean, we were just getting better, you know, with with Pennsylvania. You know, we had Charlie Griffin there. We had just a lot of really good guys. But, you know, between Pennsylvania, Long Island, New Jersey, New York, it's just a really good wrestling area. How did you get the – go ahead. What was that? I was just going to say, how did you get the job? Because everyone knows you had an incredible career at Iowa. We we talked about that in the last one. If you haven't listened to that one, I'll put the episode in the show notes. But Coach Ryan was on early, like in the 80s, I think it was. And uh, we went through your whole career, and it was awesome. And the, the film Terry, you're in that a lot too. So there's a lot of a lot of good stuff on you at Iowa. But after you wrestled Pat Smith in the finals, you're a senior. Did you think you were going to go on to the Olympics? Did you think you were going to go into coaching? How did you end up at Indiana? Well, Dwayne Goldman at the Big Ten Championships my senior year. Dwayne was uh, was uh, one of the coaches at IU. Uh, he um, he approached me at the Big Tens and he said, "Look, we're looking for an assistant." Uh, are you interested in coaching? And quite frankly, that's the first time I thought about coaching. Uh, yeah. So um, I said, you know, let me, let's 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 you know, finish this season, and I'll reach out to you guys, and I'll come in and take a look. So I finished my senior year in college, and then you know drove over to Bloomington, Indiana, interviewed with them. I really liked the area, and I thought, I mean, I, I mean, I love the sport. You know, you don't. I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a coach. And be in the sport this long. Um, but what a blessing it's been. So I started at IU. I was there for two years. I was still competing when I was at IU. Um, and then uh, after two years at IU, I went back to University of Iowa to wrestle in the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. And when I was when I got there, Hofstra, that summer of me getting there, the Hofstra, Hofstra actually dropped their program. Uh, they dropped their program for a couple of months. It was kind of like a Cleveland State situation. They dropped it. One of a, a big, a really supportive um, alumni in the in the area named Joe Margiata rallied the troops. Joe grew up in a in a high school where wrestling was flourished. Met from high school on Long Island, and he he said to me, he "Was like, I know I could save this program and all these buddies I had in high school. I'm going to see them in heaven. Some of them have passed." He's like, "When I get up there, these guys, if if they knew I could save this program, and I did, they're going to give me hell for a long time." So he saved it. He saved it. They called me. Um, they called me. Um, so my wife and I moved from from um, from Iowa City. Uh, I moved out to you know back to Long Island, which Hofstra was only five miles from where I grew up. So I grew up in Wontaw, and Wontaw was literally five miles from Hofstra. I'd actually trained in the Hofstra wrestling room. So, you know, it was really special for me, you know, to start my coaching career. As a head coach, I was 25 years old, you know, at a place that I grew up. I mean, I knew the area. I knew the region. I knew all the coaches on Long Island, obviously. There's 110 high school wrestling programs um, on Long Island in a small, you know, relatively small area. It's 110. It's a lot. It's 110 miles long, Long Island. I give 110 miles long. It's 110 programs. So between Nassau and Suffolk County. But, um, yeah, I was really networked in there. And. When I got there, we had three scholarships. And when I left uh, 11 years later, that that year I was leaving, we were fully funded. 
So those people did what they said they were going to do. Those those athletic directors uh, that I worked under, you know, each of them said, "Look, you keep winning, and we'll we'll give you more support." And now it's a fully funded program. And what you knew about coaching going into what you knew after you left, like building something from scratch, must be like night and day. To like you know how much you had, like what you had gone through at that point, like building a program from scratch, doing all the fundraising, like, man, that must've been like a doctorate in coaching. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's trial by fire. Right. I mean, the reality is it, it was a blessing that, you know, we had no full-time assistant coach or part-time. So it was really, it was really an amazing experience for me where when you're weighing, right, you're weighing, you know, what do you need to do to build an elite program? You need to sell tickets. You need to raise money, right? You need to be in the community. You need to recruit. You need to develop these student athletes. And it really was an incredible learning experience for me. And the, and the university really stuck with me. I mean, the one thing that I felt really good about, the space I felt good about was I wrestled under Gable. And, and his, his the structure of a season you know, when to push and when not to, and when do you run more? When do you, you know, just, just the training and then the combination, which is an, which is an issue right now in, in the NIL space slash uh, um, the transfer portal. There's, there's this perfect combination, I think, of freedom, of freedom and, and structure. Right. Too much structure and, and a human feels stuck, you know, just stifled, you know, too much freedom is not good. And that's kind of what we're. So as, as a coach, I learned under Gable what I felt was really a perfect amount of structure and freedom. So I knew how to run a season and and um, you know, I understood the sport fairly well. But there was a lot of, was a, you know, but but you've got to also manage your time and, and make sure you can you can be in there with your guys while you're fundraising and you know, trying to sell tickets to matches and things like that. But it was re really, really grateful. You know, I was just inducted into the Hall of Fame at Hofstra a few a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it was it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, just so many, there's so many good people there. You know, it's like you, you look at the traits needed to succeed. You know, people have studied elite competitors 150 years ago. They've done studies on the elite in anything artist, guitar, whatever, wrestling, Spanish. They studied the elite 150 years ago. Zweck recently in, in the book called Grit studied the elite in 2016. And th there's no difference between human beings. The number one thing, right? The number one thing is just, is just <clears throat> insatiable curiosity and workload, the capacity to work really hard over time, right? But, and that's, and that's was true back then. It's true now, but, the number one thing is people, right? The number one thing that we need in our lives are great people around us. And, and I had that at Hofstra, just great people that from donors to even the staff there, you know, the non-coaching staff that really loved the place and wanted to see the program flourish. So it was a great time. My wife and I flew out there and saw a bunch of old friends and that we stay in touch with, but it was, it was really cool. And the fact that, the whole thing kind of started with you moving back to Iowa city. So were you going back to, to get your degree or to actually make a run at 96? Well, um, to compete, I was going back to compete. I mean, I really liked coaching at IU. I met my wife at IU 
Um, but I felt like, you know, I was missing. I mean, I, I wrestled at the Midlands, you know, when I was at IU as a coach still. I wrestled a couple of events. So I was, you know, really enjoying competing. And then it was, you know, let's let's get more, let me, let me, let me get more of a singular focus rather than coaching a lot of people. Let me just kind of focus on me here. And we had my wife and I had two children and uh, we had a son in Iowa City. Jake was born in Iowa City. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, I'm waiting on tables. And I was waiting on tables. No, you I, were. Yeah, oh. I was waiting on tables. Yeah. And I was, you know, the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. Gable was good to me. He was paying me, I think, seven fifty a month. But with a wife and two kids, seven fifty a month's a tough one. How did you pull seven fifty? Well, I was waiting on tables too. You know, I was making another hundred bucks a day waiting on tables. Oh. So I would, you know, I had graduated from the University of Iowa, you know, as a coach at IU, and then went back and I was, you know, I mean, you do what you you do what you, you know, I mean, waiting on tables was was just, you know, my mother was a waitress. And I respect her as much as anybody in the world, right? Because she did what she needed to do to make sure there was food on the table. And the most important thing to her was her children, right? That's how she was. And if that's the most important thing, I wanted to wrestle. So it's, hey, you know, anything you got to do to keep wrestling, you do, you know? So um, so, so I did that for a while. And then, uh, but then the job opened up at Hofstra. And it was like, you know, it's a division one job. And I'm from the region and they, they reached out to me. So I felt like I would get the job if I, as long as I interviewed well, I would get the job. And Harry Royal, who was the AD at the time, hired me. The rest is history. We packed the, we packed the truck and we headed out from Iowa City. To, and was your uh, wife an East Coaster? She's from, she's from Bloomington. I can imagine going to someone who's from the Midwest and saying we're moving to Long Island. Could be easy, could be, could be a hard conversation, but... It seemed like it was all good, and you guys moved out for it. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, Long Island's a beautiful place, but it's 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 busy, right? There's there's, there's lots of people, and uh, you know, the cool thing at Lynn, you know, we're going on thirty years of marriage. She was in early on. You know, it was it was you know we as you know we went through some really tough times uh, as a couple and you know as as parents, but you know we 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 just stuck together. We stuck together. She came to New York and then Ohio. She's super happy in Columbus because it's close to her family in Bloomington. We're only about three and a half hours away. But when we were on our way out to New York, we're in this, we're in this truck. We're in a, a U-Haul. And I had been back in, 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 in quite a while. And we're on the, uh, I think it was the Belt Parkway. Now, I didn't know this, but you're not allowed to have trucks in the Belt Parkway. And I, we couldn't figure out why people were honking and flipping us off on the Belt Parkway. So we're just heading. It's like we're coming from Iowa, and we got we got we got her grand her her parents. You know, are are following us. We're I think we're pulling a car. Also, we've got children in the car, and people were so mad. I'm like Lynn. I don't know what they're mad at. I I I'm like I really I really didn't know. So uh so um you know eventually I think I rolled down the window and the guy's like hey, ba 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 ba, yeah you are you are you are not allowed to have his truck on here. You got to get off. So anyway, I get off and then we find our way, you know, to, to the house we had bought. Uh, so it was funny. First, it's like she felt the love. She felt the New York love early yeah. on. I was going to say, because all you hear about as a Midwesterner is how ruthless people are in the East Coast. And I do think there's edginess to East Coasters. There's no doubt. But uh, sure. 
but that kind of introduction's a little. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was a heck of a start. Wow, that's crazy. So, and but I... then we got settled in and and uh, had a great life there for for eleven great years. Man, and I I read a sometimes I'll go down these rabbit holes, and I just got out of one on Belichick and the Patriots. I read like three different mm. books on that whole regime, and there's several wow. really good ones. But one of the things Belichick is adamant on is when his assistants go get head coaching jobs, that they do it in places where they're from. And he, one of the ones that failed was, I think McDaniels maybe, but he was like an East Coaster and he took the Texans job. And he's mm. like, you don't know Texas. He's like, you need to stay where you're. And I don't think it's it's like a black and white kind of thing. Like, But you going to where you're from, like, man, think about the pride and the connections and how much easier it was than if you would have gone to like Arizona, you know? <clears throat> no, that's really, that's really, I, I haven't heard that. Uh, he's adamant about that. that that's yeah. really interesting, but it makes perfect sense to me. Interestingly enough, when I, you know, one, one you, you also have this sense of, I mean, if you, there, there's just internal pride, right? That we have, you want to do well in life, but when you're at a place that you're from, there was a, for sure for me at 24, 25, I love the place. I love the people. You know, it was the only division one school on Long Island. So you felt this sense of, of, of not pressure, healthy pressure. Like, look, this week, we got to, we got to shine here. Uh, so, but when I left Hofstra and went to Ohio state, probably the, the, the number one priority for me in putting a staff together was to hire Ohio natives. You know, I had to have Ohio natives on my staff because number one, I'm thinking, you know, the reality is I'm coming from, I'm coming from New York. I wasn't from Ohio and I don't want to be viewed as an outsider. I'm going to, you know, now I've been in Ohio for 18 years. I'm going on 18 years here. Right. So I hired um, Tommy Rollins, who you mentioned earlier, who's just an elite mind, an elite person, an elite wrestler, and deeply loved in the state. Like the guy's the man. And then Joe Heskett. I had Joe Heskett was on the staff. So it was, it was Lou Roselli, who was, you know, just, just left Oklahoma. And Lou's back with us now. So Lou Roselli, Yeah, we haven't announced it, but I'm announcing it with you. Yeah, so, so Lou's back. It'll be announced soon with our RTC He'll run the RTC with Logan and Jay. So Lou's back, but we hired Lou. I got Lou and I got Tommy Rollins and Joe Heskett, two of the great wrestlers out of Ohio all time. So that really helped, I think, settle some of the rumblings that you would think you would hear in the state is why are they hiring a, mm -hmm. you know, why are they hiring this guy? Right. You know? Who do you think they would have hired if they didn't hire you? Well, I know. I know exactly who they would have hired. I know, I know, I know this isn't even like, there's a lot of hearsay on NIL deals and this and that. Who knows the numbers, right? I, this is, this is, this is fact. This is fact. Their number one choice, because after they hired me, I became friends with them. They're my friends. You know, all the department, all the people in the department, I mean, our friends and the people that were in charge of the hiring committee, they were, they were, they're friends of mine now. So the number one choice, you ready for it? The number one choice Ohio State wanted in 2005 was Tom Brands. They wanted Tom, which is why Tom, this is, you know, this is, you might've done a story on this, the Ohio state job opening in 2005, or maybe they, 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 it was like 20 programs. It was, it was, it was the largest carousel coaching change in NCAA wrestling history. Cause he's at V tech at this time, right? Exactly. Yeah. And Iowa and Iowa has Zaleski who's just won three national titles. So Iowa lets Zaleski go 
who was my personal coach at Iowa, loved the guy. The guy's amazing. So they let him go and bring in Tom because Ohio State was going to take Tom. Well, when that happens, uh, so the second guy they wanted, number two, was um, I was number five. No. Yeah, I was number five. What? Which is fine. I mean, yeah, I it's fine. I just, it's crazy there were that many candidates, though. Yeah, no, there was so many. I mean, I mean, so so it was so it was it was Tom first, and then if you'll remember back at this, I don't know how old were you in 05? Were you, uh, were you... I graduated high school in 07, so I was a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. So you you were probably wouldn't know that that you know, maybe, maybe you were just getting so uh they wanted Cal Sanderson was two. Now Cal was the assistant coach at Iowa State at the time. Bobby Douglas was the head coach. So Iowa State same year moves Bobby into the administration and moves and moves Cal into the head coaching job at, at Iowa state. All within a matter of weeks, right? This was weeks. crazy. Weeks. Yeah. This was like, it was, it was, you know, the Virginia tech opens up, obviously Iowa state opens up for a short period of time. And then their third choice uh, was Rob Cole. So Rob was at Cornell. Rob was at Cornell. I was at Hofstra. Um, and and uh, and then they're fourth. And then then it's getting that like like Zeke Jones was at UPenn. Now, interestingly enough, UPenn came to interview me when that job opened at Hofstra, and I just felt like, um, you know, it was a lateral move. It was a lateral move. I loved Hofstra. I was happy. My family said, "There's no way I'm leaving Hofstra for UPenn." Um, but Zeke took it, and in Zeke's contract, and you can confirm this with Zeke. Uh, there was a there was a clause. It was a big buyout. There's a buyout uh, in the UPenn clause, so he was out. And uh, and then it was you know then it was a, you know a, a, you know a bunch of guys that they you know Terry Brands, um, uh, uh, I think Borelli, Jim Heffernan, you know that were interviewed here. Uh, but yeah, that's how it went. Wow. And so, how many ads have you gone through? Is it the same one who hired you? At Ohio State, same one. Gene Smith was here, I think, a year or two before me. And interestingly, this is, you know, Gene Smith, of the 12 programs that have won the NCAAs in wrestling, Gene's been the AD at three of them. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah, so Gene was the AD at Iowa, Iowa State, Arizona State, and Ohio State. Whoa. So so wow. of the 12 won in, in, in history, he was at the helm from a leadership standpoint in three of them. Gene's 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 the Gene's the man. Gene is uh Gene's really good at what he does. Is he a wrestling person? Like he wrestle or no? He, he's a football player at Notre Dame. Okay. Uh wow. I mean he'd be a great interview. I mean so that's he, that's what I'm getting at here is yeah. Yeah, no, he's a man. stud. Yeah, he's a stud. He loves the sport. He's got an amazing story. Uh his life story. He was an African American guy growing up in, in Chanel. Um uh he went to um the same high school. Well, Jaggers went to the same high school he went to. Uh, that school has since closed down, but um, yeah, I was a football player, but loves the sport, you know, finds, you know, he's, he's the Northeast of Cleveland. He's a Northeast Ohio guy, you know, so, you know, wrestling, the wrestling, you know, one of the wrestling meccas. That 88 nationals, that Arizona state team, that one with Bobby Douglas and like, you know, their Gable's coming off of the, you know, the Bill Kelly pen and Penrith, like that 88 nationals, that is its own to me, like its own gem. Like that's such a cool thing that, and I'm so glad Coach Douglas got one there because he was close at Iowa State a couple of times. Yeah, and having to beat Gable, 
was 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 not easy. That Iowa that Iowa dynasty was rolling, and you know we're all facing that now with you know Penn State's. You know they're they're yeah. not an easy group to beat. So yeah, no doubt about it. I mean it's man that the, the I, you mentioned uh Northeast uh, um Cleveland guy, but you, did you ever you may not you may know this guy. I'm sure you do, but one of my favorite Ohioans who wrestled, who's not involved with wrestling anymore, Luke Fickle. Did you ever oh, hook up with him course. when he was in Ohio? He's the yeah, best. Luke and I still text. Oh, Luke, love Luke's the guy. The man. I mean, yeah. I had Luke talked to my team, and and I mean, obviously, he was one of the great heavyweights out of high school all time. Talk right. about it's Fargo week, right? He won three Fargo titles and didn't go once his last year. And it's like, I love when people who when they say that, like they actually were legit. It's not just looking back with like a nice lens. Like he actually like undefeated pinning people. Like he was legit, legit. Luke, as Luke Fickle was an absolute killer. Luke Fickle was so good. I mean, look, Luke Fickle started, he started every single game, football game as a player, every game uh, as a lineman. And he was, um, I think as he wrestled, he wrestled at Ohio State. I mean, he wrestled here. I think his first match was against Kerry McCoy. It was Kerry McCoy. Yeah. It was, right? Yeah. I mean, they put him out there. Coach Hellickson put him out there. He probably just came off the football field. And uh, he put him out there against McCoy. But he was an uh, incredible athlete. You know, he's really, when you talk to Luke, and, you know, and he'd be a great interview as well. He's been on. Yeah, I've, I, I have that. Okay, I've, yeah. I haven't heard that. I got to go back and listen to that. He, I didn't know you had him on. It was, uh, it was a while ago. It was a while yeah. ago. But it was... I badgered him for a good six months. And these guys, I mean, you know how busy it is. And yeah. then he came on and it was like, we had had 30. He stayed for an hour, 10. I felt like it was just great. And it was, it was just, just talking wrestling, man. He, and I like, <clears throat> you know, I like the wrestling, but I also like the, uh, like the leadership, the, the, sure. how you do your 12 month plan, like all that stuff. Because, you know, when you're manning a, a football team, that's, that's another, you know, another level of organizing. So, I was into all that kind of stuff, and I can't wait to see what he does at Wisconsin. I mean, in, in Chicago, there's so many, you know, it's it's a Big Ten melting pot, and I got friends at Ohio State, Michigan, but the Badger people are going crazy right now. Yeah, that's a great, he's a great pickup. He's a great pickup for them. And, and he's a wrestler at heart. I mean, he really is. He loves the sport. I mean, his foundational sense of, 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 of workload and suffering through the sport of wrestling, right? He um he tells a story about he's driving his kids home and they're like they lost a game or something and he's like why did you lose and they start talking about this player that player and he like pulls the car over he's like this is why you boys need to be into wrestling there's no blame like he's hardcore <laughs> with it so he's no, a, yeah. he, we got to keep him in the wrestling world as much as we can like because he he does love it you know he really does yeah he does wow <laughs> yeah so man that's I think about all the great Ohio wrestlers it's like yeah I mean obviously. Ohio, PA, Jersey, Illinois, like, and you're, you're in the thick of it. So now when you go to the Ohio state tournament, do you feel like that's your state tournament or is the New York state tournament always going to be your, your home, your home? Ohio. I mean, Ohio is, and and, you know, I think, you know, for us to, for us to contend for national titles, we've got to absolutely keep the best home. I mean, it's it's the number one priority for us. Right. And that's, that's, um, that's just a, a non-negotiable for us, right? The, yeah. the best kids in Ohio need to stay here. So I mean, and there's and, really good ones coming out right now. Really? Yeah, coming up. There's some superstars I can't mention, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, everybody knows who they are. We got to keep these guys home. So the key thing that I've seen is if you're in a state where they have these 
these academies like when i was coming up overtime was the place to be mm-hmm. now there's there's izzy style there's seabolt there's pinnacle there's Askren. like does ohio have a couple of those i'm not as plugged into that you scene, but do they have like steve has an academy or <clears throat> uh he stopped when we hired him full time but uh, i mean there's there's some really you know high level wrestling regions i mean obviously you've got you've got uh i mean just saying edwards is 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 putting out a ton of time his regions you know you've got the club up there uh, that um, um, what's his face runs up there, up in Northeast Ohio. It's called uh, Patty Gallagher came through it. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's, there's some so much clubs, good wrestling in Ohio. But in Ohio, in general, you know, there's just a lot of good. This is a lot of good programs. Um, a lot of good, a lot of good regions. So I don't know if there's one that it's like, you know, Strip Matters Place, you know, Young Guns, you know, the Seabold Club. I don't think there's one, but you know, Pursuits doing a good job locally, um, in, in this region. Um, so, and coach, yeah. I gotta, t- I gotta tell you of all the things that stick out from our first, our first podcast to even to this day, like once a month, I'll get an email from someone or a message. Hey, did coach Ryan ever give you his 365 day plan? And I go, <laughs> I go, he didn't, but you're like the millionth person to ask me that. And two things I think about from that one, I think you told me it's in your book, chosen suffering, right? Um, a, a lot of it. It's actually, and I have, where's my, uh, it's on my desk right here. <laughs> it's Gable. It's from Gable. This is it. This was my, this was actually my packet. This is one of the, pack. this is the packet that I gave to uh, everybody on the hiring committee in 2005. It's been tweaked a little bit, but this is the packet. Oh, wow. You took to the interview. Yeah. I took this to the interview. Everybody on the committee got, uh, you know, got. Uh, what are this- some of those tabs right there? The high level tabs. Uh, just pro- so one is profile statement of purpose. Program vision, <clears throat> one to three months, recruiting plan, compliance, student-athlete guidelines, student-athlete development, and then just summer annual training plan. Wow. So, yeah, there's some of the things that, yeah, I put together and gave a copy to each one on the committee, and I still have it. I still I still reflect on it. It's pretty that interesting. Is, think about any person going into a job interview, though, if they bring a binder, like – regardless of what's in it that's that's a that's a point but the substance in that and how much you went through it's like man that that is that's the kind of stuff i love about these conversations with you is because you take a uh definitely a an executive approach you would have been the the best vp of sales in tech history coach ryan if that was the path you went well you know you know it's like you gotta have a you know obviously you have to have a plan right i mean you gotta have a plan so so um you know this was actually alex Picasso. his name's on it alex was a student athlete he was a stud. He was a student athlete. So on the committee, there were a couple of student athletes on the committee. He was one of them. Uh, now How many rounds did they put you through? Um, it was all day. It was a phone call initially that I came in. It was it was uh, it was all day, and it was it was really connections that got me uh, got me the interview. It was people that it was people that I worked with that worked with people in the past on the committee. And it was the people that I knew calling the people that knew the people that are on the committee. It was that type of thing. And it's always people, right? It's always, it's always people and, and, and how you treat them. And um, cause you never know. Relationships are the currency, right? It's Relationships like are the currency, no doubt about it. It's just so crazy to see it come through. And it's, you say that and it's not like you're friends with someone so they can get you a job. It's the opposite. It's you're just helping, you're just doing the right thing, helping people. Yeah. And you never know, you know? Absolutely. Right. 
So when when you when you uh, even if rewind a decade back, let's talk about your first three years at Hofstra. I'm just curious. Did you ever have any of those moments where you're like, what did I get myself into? Or like, what were some of like the things that really jumped out? You're like, I got some work to do here. Well, I think we were maybe. I don't think we won a match. I could look up the history. I don't think we won a dual meet. <laughs> because what happened, right? Remember, they dropped the program, right? So, so they dropped the program, and every, anyone, you know, anyone that was, you know, really good left. Whatever they had, because they, they dropped it for a couple of months, and nobody knew at the time they dropped it, they were going to bring it back or not. So there really wasn't a ton of talent there. Now, the, the blessing there was that those three scholarships became available to me, so I could pick who I wanted early on. It wasn't like they grabbed someone who was a freshman that, you know, I may not have, you know, recruited, but he was there on a full scholarship. And now that scholarship has gone for the next four years. So that was, that was, that was a relatively helpful, but I tell you, I was, um, I don't want to use the word train wreck, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, you're so, you know, I know that you have a system of, oh, I mean, I was just, I had just come from the university of Iowa. Well, we won the nationals. We were loaded with talent. I mean, there were, there, it was it was it was a killer be killed, you know, mentality in the room. Some of the toughest people on the planet were in that room training, and you know, I knew I'd put a season together, like I said, but but train, but uh, you know, I just I just my my down my my major flaw early on was I tried to do too many things too fast. I just tried to be a master of so many things, and 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 that was. You know, I was just constantly doing things at 80%, 100% in my heart, but I just couldn't get it you know, through fruition. Uh, but but it started to change, uh, you know, with a couple big recruits. And it always takes a few, right? It's a few that, that uh, you know, are really the nucleus. And Eric Schmiesing was huge. And this, you know, this, this Mazurko came early and a couple other guys came early. But I think maybe year one or two, Eric Schmiesing out of Minnesota came. He ended up being a couple of time All American. Roman Flazer came from New Jersey, who was who both these guys were, were were just tough as heck. Both of them, you know, a couple of time All Americans at national semifinalists, um, and they they both um, they both really got they really got us going, you know. Um, oh yeah, Jersey boy from Kittatinny. Roman was a Jersey boy, and then and then you know. Um, you know, Eric was a Minnesota kid just outside the city limits, uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, a couple of times state champ. You know, I watched him wrestle. He was like a hundred and maybe like a hundred and nineteen pounder or something. And and then he grew into a 49 pounder. He got really physical, but he was tough. At, you know, he just kept kept moving forward. You know, so so we got it going with just a, you know, a couple people and then more came. And before you know it, you know, we were really competitive. Yeah. Well, it's cool that when you left, you had a, a very conscious thought to not decimate the program, which is, I didn't even think about that. And I would just think mm -hmm. that when you left, you're like, let's get everyone and take them with us to Columbus. But that was, that was a different kind of time, I guess. I mean, if, I mean, you know, I think that if we would have taken everyone with us, we probably would have won the nationals uh, in, in eight on eight and nine. Um, we had some really tough guys that, could have filled some holes, but it really was important to me. And I love the place, you know, and I think the conversation with the guys was simply, look, I mean, you guys have something special here. You know, you know, I was going through, I mean, obviously too, you know, we were going through, it was probably the lowest time of my life. I was in, I was, I was in a very, um, 
bad place when I got the Ohio State job. On the surface, you know, they they couldn't see that. I hit it very well. Um, but, you know, we had just lost our son. You know, it, well, February 16, 2004, we're going in just, just over a year. And just a year earlier, you know, when I, when I got the job. So, um, you know, so, you know, February 16, 2004, in, in, in the following year, that June, I'm interviewing at Ohio State. And my house was... Uh, a train wreck, like, a, you know, it was, it was just, my marriage was, I mean, things just weren't good. I mean, obviously, again, I didn't portray that in the, in the, in the interview and every day wasn't bad, but it was just hard. Life was really hard. Um, this is my naivete, but so you're talking a year and a, a year and a half almost later and it's still rock bottom almost. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we're, we're, uh, you know, and then to was, uproot a family and move is like, that's another challenge. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. That was a challenge. And it was, it was, you know, I think that was a blessing. I mean, listen, God, God's in the middle of this. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, there's no question about that. God is absolutely in the middle of everything that's happened in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. You can, you can, now I can reflect. I just finished an amazing book called the language of God by Francis Collins, who is the man that, uh, that uh, did, uh, you know, uncovered the human genome project. He was the head of the human. This guy is one of the great minds to ever walk on the planet. He's a genius. He's a savant genius, understands, understands science and human beings as well as anybody ever has. And, uh, you know, the book, the book takes him through his journey of, of athe atheism to what he believes now and what he's learned about the human body and science and evolution. That's fascinating. And yeah, it's a fascinating book. I mean, the did guy you posted on your social media on Instagram. Is that the one you just posted? I did. Yeah. Francis okay. Collins. Yeah. The head of the human genome project looked interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just a wild read when he talks about what he did and how hard it was and the, the, the minds behind what he did, but there's still this element that you can't explain, right? There's, you can't, there are things you just can't explain and you explain them with, with, with God. So, uh, so we were just not in a good place. You know, my, my, you know, it was, it was, we're a year out. And, you know, I mean, anyone listening that's 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 lost a child. A year is a year is 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 the first year is 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 a you know, there's no way there's no words. That you can explain to put year one. I mean, it's 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 an explosion that's devastated everything in your life. And you're trying to decide. First patching your own life and then the lives of your children, your wife and, and other people. And you're just not thinking clearly. And I, and I wasn't, um, but, um, but yeah, so then I got, yeah. And then I, I left and, and, and came here and it was, you know, it was really important to keep the team together, which is where this, you know, where, where we got yeah. this time, just well, keeping the team together. I want to just, um, I appreciate, you know, I, I know this is a very sensitive subject for you, but if there is anyone listening who's going through rock bottom right now, how did you come out of it? Yeah, people. Yeah. So I said, first thing is the first thing is is when you're when you're really low, um, we make them right. We make emotional decisions, right? So we never make right. So one thing is just knowing that I'm at a low and to not make emotional decisions on things, um, and surround yourself right when you're in when you're in rock. Listen, when someone said to me it'll get better, quite frankly, I I, I didn't know. Like I can reflect back on that time and think, I don't know if life will ever get better. That's how, uh, how much pain there was, you know, the way he died and, and just losing, 
something you love so much that you have no control over. So, so in, in saving him. So, so the first thing is, is obviously no major decisions. Surround yourself with people that deeply love you. Um, I had that, you know, I had that, I had really good, I had really, I had people that I, people that quite frankly, at the time we lost Teague, I didn't know that well, but, but they, they had a really, they actually had a strong faith. This guy named Greg Truns um, was a wrestler, also owned a successful business um, that I, that I, I would, I would take my team to now and then, but we really got to know each other. He lost a, ch a child to brain cancer. So he had walked through it. So, so the other thing is I wanted to, I only, I only wanted to speak with people that had lost children, you know, so I only, I wanted to be around people that experienced what I experienced. So there's something called, uh, there's, there's an organization that deals with uh, grieving parents. It's called, uh, I can't remember the name of it, which is pathetic, but uh, I went once or twice and I realized there were people there that lost children 20 years ago and they hadn't moved on and it scared me. They were still in this place of like disbelief. So I stopped going and I started studying uh, the scripture uh, with a guy named Greg Truns in the morning. So, no, I mean, I wasn't not, I didn't know if there was a God or not. You know, I just assumed there was a God. You know, I was raised Catholic. Mom took me to church every, my brothers and my, my family, we went to church every week. But when you go to college, you get busy. And I just wasn't going to church. But I didn't, I really hadn't, I hadn't made up my mind whether or not God existed or not. I didn't thought, you know, never thought deeply enough about it. But I started to. I started to, and that became the single most important focus in my life. Is there a God or is it just life? You, you come and go and you impact those and you leave. So that was, that became, that became without question, a single, you know, I talk a lot now with, with, you know, to, to young people and it's like, tell me the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? What your job's going to be? We're going to go to school. How many cars are you going to have? I mean, what town are you going to live in? Those are all really important decisions, but none is more important than how you got here. Is God real? You know, and there's, you know, like there's information on what car you're going to buy or what, you know, what job you're going to, what, what the best university is for you. There's plenty of information, whether he's real or not. It's just, you know, typically we're all too busy and it's kind of deep and it takes a, it's kind of deep. So anyway, so, so um, yeah. So when you're in a, when you're in a hole, like I was in, you uh, no no major decisions. Surround yourself with the people that love you and will tell you the truth. And and no major. You know, just I think the big thing is no major decisions. And know that it will get better. I know people told me it would get better, but it won't get better. Listen, I could have turned to alcohol, and it wouldn't have gotten better. I mean, there are things that you know, there are things that won't make it better. You know, so things well, that remember. numb us. Yeah. I remember when I was sitting in the office chair and now the first time we did a podcast, you said something else sticks with me to this day. I think about it, not all the time, but sometimes it'll just pop up. You, know, you, you don't know why certain things pop up, but this one does. But you said at one point you thought you would never laugh again. Oh, yeah. Like that's like that just to me, it's like, man, if you ever think you're having a, you know, it's all it's all context. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like that's that's what we're talking about here. So. I appreciate you sharing that because I think you never know who's listening, who's going through it. I mean, like you said, the people at Ohio State, they see you, you're coming in with your binder, you're excited, you're rah-rah, but deep down, you're going through some hell, you know, and there's a lot of people out there who you don't even know what they're going through. So the only reason I bring it up is because I think it, it can definitely help people to, to hear that kind of thing. No, I think that's a great point. 
I mean, you know, it, you know, I got this, like you said, this fancy binder and things look good, but deep down, man, I was, I was not in a good place. You know, none wow. of us. Were. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, one step at a time. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And it's like, now when you, when you look back, I know you're still involved with a, with a number of causes and it's just, you know, to me, it's, you know, I'm not, I'll admit coach, I'm not someone who I would consider myself a religious person, but I'm not anti, and I just don't know enough, right. you know, I don't know, any, I don't really know anything, you know, so. Right. Uh, and, and I don't run around with religion. Like I just believe it's more relational than, than anything, you know, religion, we know religion has caused wars and it's been used to manipulate and it, right. We know that it's been used, you know, against mankind in many ways, but, uh, but despite that, despite that, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't negate the fact that there's a God. It's just, it's, you know, I, here's the analogy I heard. And, and in the book, he said this, he said, he said, you're, you're, you you're, you're, you're taking sometimes clean water falls in a rusty bucket. And, and so God and his, his ways is clean and right and pure. And sometimes as humans, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the bucket that, 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 that may not present it in the way that it was intended to be presented. Well, I'll tell you now, this this crop of wrestlers now over the last decade, these people are like they are all a lot of them are very religious. They're all doing the right thing. It just seems like you look back at the 80s and nothing. You know, I love these guys. You look at Royce Alger, Randy Lewis, like these guys are freaking maniacs. Yeah. And maybe they were religious. I don't know. But, you know, these maybe these aren't the guys you want your daughter marrying. These guys now, though, these guys are like straight edge by the book. Doesn't matter if they're at your program, any of these, even like the Iowa guys now, where they're all they're all very like good kids. You know, it's like there's been a big shift in uh, the successful wrestlers, kind of what their personality and their characters like in the last 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you know, a lot of the examples you look at a guy like Kyle Snyder, you know, Kyle will say that you when know, he went to the training center, he left and he's obviously this guy's raised in a great family, his mom and dad are great people. I mean, his one brother is in, you know, is in the military with West Point grad. The other brother wrestled for me. And the sister is just a rock star. This is a great home. But, uh, you know, when you go out to the training center and guys are, you know, studying the word of God, it's like, and they're, and they're guys that you want to emulate. There are guys that, you know, I mean, it's the power of example, you know, and what you're exposed to, quite frankly, right, will be reflected in the way you live your life. So, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of really, you know, there's a lot of really good guys that, None of them are perfect, you know, but a lot of really good guys sharing the word, which is good, which is really good. Yeah, no. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's an interesting time right now for our sport. You know, I, a lot of things make me excited. A lot of things make me nervous. The, uh, the new rule changes are a little, little crazy to me. Um, the NIL in theory is good. The portal's a little crazy. There's a lot of, and we won't go into all of it, but We'll just wind down. I'm just curious your thoughts on kind of the state of things across those three buckets, the rules, the portal, the NIL. Are you hopeful? Are you, you think we need to make some changes? Where, where are you at on that? Well, we'll see how the rules play out. You know, they would change. So let's see how it works out in matches. I think tripling, you know, if, if, if we, we, we tripled. So uh, the takedown is now three times as much as the escape. I mean, if you, which is a concern, but let's see how it goes. Um, I like less. I like I like less subject, you know, uh, subjectivity. So I don't like giving officials. They're great men. They're the heroes of the sport. You know, they don't get paid much, and they do. We love officials, 
there's a lot on them. Rules have changed a lot. There's a lot. It's hard for the human brain to make the decisions they've got to make when yeah. you don't do it that much. Yeah. You, there's just no way to catch it all. So uh, don't get me started on this caution and one thing in freestyle that they're yeah, going right. crazy on this year. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's illogical. They're going so far on the other end of it. And to your point, refs are in, in Illinois, refs are in shortage. So we need right. these people. But continue. Need, Sorry. Yeah. We got to simplify it for them. And we, we cannot, you cannot, we want a sport. You just, you just don't give points away, particularly in a sport that if you look at the national semifinals and finals, quite often the matches are won by a point or two and we're giving them away. So that's a concern. Right. That's a concern. So the other concern is there's no focus on the team side of it. There's no focus on team scoring, how to make a dual meet more interesting. You know, we may never be mainstream, but we can we can create it. You know, we've just it's not only the dual meet. It's the, it's the lead up. It's the lead up to the championship. It's putting a structure in place that is actually something you follow as the season goes on. So so those are issues for me. And then, you know, sometimes rules change. And I was in support of some things that change. I was like, yeah, we should do this. And then there's these unintended consequences that you just don't realize. When I said I support this, I actually thought it was the best thing. For example, uh, I'll, I'll go into the transfer portal, right? I'll talk about this briefly. If, if a coach can leave, a kid should be able to leave. That's really the way I, 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 I saw it until I'm seeing what's happening now. I really felt it. Well, why should a student athlete, a student athlete, not a kid, they should be able to, if, if, if a coach can leave when he wants, so should a student athlete if it's best for him to leave. Well, the problem is uh, now that was my opinion at one time. That's not my opinion anymore. When I left Syracuse and people have said, well, you know, Tom Ryan's against this and against that. Like I'm some hypocrite. Like, like when you left, I did leave and I got no money to go to Iowa. I was not recruited there. There was no poaching. There was no internet with, with someone saying, Hey, Tom, we really look, thought you look good at nationals from someone on the team. That, that wanted me. There was no money offered. There was nothing. Right. So, so, but what happened is now I go to, and I transfer from Syracuse to Iowa. They tried to wrestle me. Gable tried to wrestle me at 158. I had just beaten Pat Smith at Christmas. We, our Mark Ryland was injured and he wanted to insert me in the lineup. And, and he couldn't because I was not released. There was a punishment. It was a punishment. You left Syracuse and I hurt Syracuse when I left. I didn't mean to hurt them, but I just, I, I hurt them. They, they, they needed the weight and I left the weight and I went. So there was a, there was a one year penalty. Now here was the good news for me. I had a red shirt so I could use it. If I didn't have a red shirt, I would not have been able to wrestle that year. And that's the way it goes. So right now with, with the way the NIL space is, and listen, teams are poaching and well, how can you prove it? You can't prove it. You cannot prove it. But it's, it's happening. True. People it's are happening. happening. So then, why are you making allegations that you, you can't prove? Because there are things that you can't prove that you know are true. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just, it's, it's common. It's, it's, it's Occam's razor. I need a 133 pounder. My team sinks at 133. I have, I have nobody there. I need the weight. The best kid in the country comes to my school that year. Right? Well, how did he get there? Now, look, he can look and see, look, there's nobody at the weight. I understand I'm really good here. They need the weight. Sure, there's some of that. But we know it's a lot more than that. And it's frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating. 
And and uh, so so the rule I would go back to changing is no matter what, if you leave, you lose a year, no matter what. I don't care. And I don't care if your mom's sick or your dad's sick or there is a there is a you have a commitment to a university. The coach is a commitment to you. And if, if, if you leave, you lose a year unless you graduate. Then it's a new story. So now I'm back on you lose a year unless the coach releases you. You have to be formally released right now. Right now, you can go whenever you want, which is a problem. Now, so in football, you can go in the portal, I think, like two weeks in December and a couple weeks in spring. Maybe I'm off on that. Is that the case in wrestling, or can you go? Yeah, there's a window. Years? Oh, there yeah, is. There, there, there's a window. There's a window when you got to go in. You can. You, you, you got to let your coaches know, let somebody know as well, but you don't have to do that. Okay. But uh, So it's, it's, a, it's a really tough space right now. That's um, interesting and, because yeah. that would, even with the quote-unquote bags of money kids are getting that would put a lot of stop to it because you only have four years so if you have to give one up that would it's be the, interesting it's the only unfortunately unfortunately i mean it's the only way in my opinion right now to somewhat rectify this just when i was at hofstra i had so many good guys and what's happened and at hofstra i mean the internet right the internet is alive and well everybody knows who's on everyone's roster this isn't, this isn't, so, you know, I didn't even know, quite frankly, I didn't even know who, who Iowa had in, in, when I left in 1989. I had no idea. Here's, I, I, did, I did see Doug Stryker was an All-American of my weight. And I knew he was a sophomore because the bracket said S-O next to his name. So he was a sophomore and I was a sophomore. He placed, I didn't, I knew that he was there. I didn't know who was there. But now if you're elite, elite level wrestler, you can look and see the way the, the teams that need your help. Right. And if you can just leave on a whim or someone calls your old coach and says, Hey, he really looked good at nationals. Are you interested? I'm not saying that, but he looked really good. Well, isn't that enough? That's the seed. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, who it that, hurts that... is the, well, the, the one that comes to mind that kills me is is the Minnesota 133. That killed me. But the ones that really hurt me are the mid-majors, you know, your Hofstra's. I mean, you guys would have been decimated by that. It would, it would, it would have hurt. I mean, it, now, now it, it puts the onus on the coach to make sure that you're building a deep relationship, mm -hmm. right? So there's there's some good to it. It's like, look, these guys, like, like I can't just, I got a deep, they got to feel my love. And you hope that, that love can outweigh a $40,000 offer to leave or a $50,000 offer to leave. So, um, so it's a challenging, it's a challenging time right now, you know, and I would have never said this until I'm seeing what's happening. And we haven't had this problem. We haven't had anybody leave that we didn't want to leave. We don't, we don't have it, but I know that schools do. And I'm friends with coaches that are dealing with it, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, so you get the rest of the national tournament three years. If you want to leave, and you've you 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 you've all, you 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 you've um you don't have a red shirt available, you're gonna lose a year. Right. That's interesting. It's um because I'm with you. The first part of what you said is the coach can leave, the athlete should be able to leave. A lot of ninety nine percent of people are on board with that, but then you start to see all these unintended consequences. And like you said, any rule has unintended consequences. Like in freestyle, I love the push out. But now we have this really awkward grounding where guys are dropping to their knees, middle of the mat, and they're getting pushed out. That's weird. It does. It, no one could have foreseen that, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting approach, and I've never really thought about it that way because 
you know, I didn't realize this, but I had Matt Valenti on. He's an AD or associate AD. Yes. I didn't realize how nervous all these ADs are about the NCA even being around 10 years from now. Like it's, it's, you know, we think wrestling, not maybe not being around, but these people are, you know, he mentioned to me, like there's a lot of uncertainty right now at the NCAA level. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's chaos. It's crazy, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolute chaos. Yeah. Wow. Why well, so, really go ahead, coach. Yeah. No, yeah. No. So I'd we'll say see. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And it's, I was, a. Uh, legitimately interested to hear your thoughts because i know you're you've, you've sp talked about this before so it's um yeah i think it, it'll be interesting to play out the one thing i i don't like the uh i don't i don't not like it but moving the takedown from two to three like i just man that that's that hurts me a little bit because like moving the touchdown from seven to nine yeah the points are going to go up in the game but it doesn't mean the scoring sequences have gone up you know no it's a concern it's, a, it's concern. A, real, a real concern. The three point take. I mean, some people think it's great. I, I, it's a concern. I mean, now you're, you're, you know, to me, an aggressive minded person. I, I've said this on a couple of other interviews, but no rule has ever changed the desire that I have to had to score points. No, like, you don't, there's certain things in life. You don't, you don't rule into existence. Right. You know, and aggression, in my opinion, isn't one of them. I mean, it's you know, funny you say that. I'm in uh, software sales. Every quarter they roll out yeah. like a new thing. Like, hey, we're really trying to push product B. So if you sell more product B, we'll give you 3x commish. And yeah, guys <laughs> will take advantage of it. But and I'm, if I'm in the heart of a deal, I'm going with product A instead of B. And it's like, so there's always people trying to make, you know, put creating rules or incentives to gamify human actions. And it's like, when it gets down to the crunch time, it's it's not, it's going to go out the window, you know? So right. Really right. And at what expense? I mean, you, now you're giving them three, three, you know, a, a, a passive minded person or someone is not really an attacker. Now they're thinking, well, I'm going to be down by two if I get taken down. Let me be more careful. Right. You know, with the aggressive, you know, so it's like, you know, the question is, is it, is, is it, does it warrant being three times as much as the escape? Right. Like you right. said with, with football. And I don't know. It's we'll a see. lot. Coach, let's wind down with three quick ones. Would you add a push out point to college wrestling? A step out point. When I had a step out point to college wrestling. Um, no. You're shaking your head now. Okay. Fair enough. Would you keep writing time point? The writing time point? Yes. Okay. Last one, unrelated. What's the best book or YouTube video you've read lately? Maybe it's the book you just mentioned, but you're always about leadership. Yeah. You're digging in. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed, um, uh, I really enjoyed Francis Collins. I just finished that book, The Language of God. That was really good. Yeah. I'm, I mentioned YouTube because I don't know when Flo did this. Flo followed you guys around when Logan was a senior. And one of the scenes is you're in your kitchen and you're watching America's Got Talent. And you just <laughs> like watching uh, performers. And I, I, mean, I feel the same way. Like you see someone figure skating and they're the best. You take something out of it, even if it's just something like that, you know? So I didn't know if you had, you've been watching. No, it's still Instagram. No, Instagram. I like Instagram because you get these short clips of, of Simon Cow, you know, with, 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 you know. Oh, yeah. The little kid, the, the two-year-old that sits at the piano, and all of a sudden just starts playing this this ridiculous song. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The human, the human spirit is always, always good. Absolutely, Coach Ryan. Thanks so much for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, good to be with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace.